This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports, here with you on the late signing period. Bit of an uneventful day from the recruiting front, but Sean, we got to start right out front. I uh, love this new format, by the way. Uh, shout 24-7 for hooking us up with that. But Sean, we got to we gotta start right at the top. Kirk Ferentz met with the media for the first time postseason 2022. Let's say it was kind of one of those things where they th- he threw gas on the fire, but I think you, myself, our other media colleagues, and several Iowa fans expected the press conference to go the way that it did today. And if people aren't aware of what we're talking about, a lot of today's conversation dealt surrounded Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz and the coaching staff. And Kirk basically said today that he anticipates no change to the staff so before I kind of we get in a little bit of a back and forth, Sean, I'd like to remind people this is still on the timeline of the way Kirk operates. You think back, he said the same thing a couple of years ago. Derek Foster ended up leaving to go to the Chargers running back position. Uh, Ken O'Keefe retired. I mean, this is sort of still following along that time frame. But the only thing it tells me and officially, which we all knew, is Kirk and Iowa is not firing Brian Ferentz. Sean, give me give me your initial takeaway. Let's 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 talk about this. Yeah, I mean, I think from a perspective of you know, I've always been under the impression that obviously the offense coordinator is going to be the one that gets the most flack. The offensive coordinator and the quarterback are going to be the ones that get the most flack. And you know, I've always been under the impression too that the offensive line and you know the issues with that is kind of where the the offensive issue started this year now obviously Brian's an easy scapegoat because he's the guy that runs the offense he's the guy that runs the plays and all that but it's one of those things too where I think from a logical perspective you have to remember that it's college football and it's a business like it's a business. I don't think Kirk is going to go on the record and say, okay, we're making a staff change. You know, yeah. when it happens, yes, but it's not going to happen. You know, like how, how do you think that impacts recruiting if they say straight up they're going to make a staff change? And it's not just – Especially on kind of signing day as well. Right. So I wouldn't look too much into it, obviously – you know, I think the plan as of now, like if nothing were to change, then Brian will be the offense coordinator next year. But, you know, it's not a done deal. There's still stuff that has to go on. There's still stuff that can go on. And there's still things that could happen where, you know, he's not back in Iowa City next year. Obviously, 
you know, all we have is Kirk's comments and that, I mean, if you look at our message boards right now and you look at Twitter, that's kind of been the yeah the big talking point of the last, you know, two hours since the press conference ended. But it's just one of those things that, you know, it's it's going to take time. I'm not guaranteeing that Brian's going to be gone, but I'm just saying don't take this word for gospel just yet yep. because there's a lot of stuff that can change. There's things that can happen. You know, there's still time that left to be played in, in this. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that you just kind of got to kind of got to wait it out. I mean, I know you posted something on our VIP boards. I think it was last week about the interest. And I know other people in our market have talked about the interest. Like there is interest from NFL teams. Like there is stuff brewing behind the scenes. But as of today, it's like it's not enough for Kirk to be like, okay, you know, this is happening. And he's not going to say it on record. No, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I basically just posted this to our board, I think, maybe maybe 15 minutes ago, maybe 20 minutes ago. And here's why I would tell people. I know people are frustrated. Trust me. I get it. Sean, I know your mentions have blown up. My mentions have blown up. Our message board has really blown up about it. And it's understandably so. I mean, you look at the raw numbers. You look at the you know the offensive coordinators are the bomb seven offenses in the country. Four of the seven have been fired. Two have been retained because they are first-year offensive coordinators. And then there's Brian who's being retained. So that's just a small sample size. Uh, I believe Mark Woodley tweeted out on his Twitter. But I said people want answers, but right now there isn't any. And this is the honest truth. Nobody knows if Brian's coming back next year. Nobody knows. Who Everybody says he's gone. They have no substantial proof that he's gone. And everybody says that he's coming back. That's a good educated guess, but it's not set in stone to this point. I can tell you that with 100% certainty. Things have to play out. Things have to change. But I really think that no matter what was being said today, Sean, there was going to be gasoline poured on the fire. But I also believe that Gary Barta and Kirk Ferentz both had an opportunity to limit the amount of gas that they threw on the fire because they knew the tough questions were going to be coming. I commend our media members for, I think, really, you know, pushing Kirk on it quite a bit, Gary quite a bit. But man, Iowa did not help themselves. I mean, you just think about, I think of a couple opportunities that Scott Dockman from The Athletic, myself, Kington Lloyd-Smith from Wind Register, we basically allude to what makes Brian a good offensive coordinator. Like what, what, how does he break down game film? We're asking Kirk to, you know, name some positive traits about why you're retaining Brian. And he just lumped every coordinator together. It was time and time again. It was deflection. And I think that's what infuriated fans the most, Sean. I mean, I've gotten a gauge from our fan base that people took that as incredibly arrogant. And I'm not saying it's arrogant, but I also think that there was just a level of a safety net that Kirk feels like he has. And he had an opportunity that I feel like he let slip past him to really calm the the temperature of the fan base. Yeah, but it's also one of those things, too, where obviously, you know, your fan base is your fan base. Those are the people that support you. But it's like, you know, how much is Kirk going to teeter to the fan base about this stuff? I mean, the guy's been running the yep. program for, you know, 20-plus years. How much is he really going to teeter to the fan base? Like, you know, it's one of those things where it's a tough conversation to have. I mean, Kirk's kind of in a lose-lose spot there. I mean, you don't want to talk bad about anyone. You don't want to, you know, give out too much detail. 
But also you realize if you give out too much detail, then, or if you don't give out enough detail, then you're going to have one side that's angry, one side that's not. And at the end of the day, what matters is, you know, what goes inside your program? Obviously the fan support is going to be critical. That's, that's a key part of it. But I think you got to realize too, like there's stuff that goes on that, you know, happens and things that are said and things that are evaluated that fans, you know, I mean, Kirk probably doesn't want out there. Like he doesn't want that stuff out there. I mean, he's, I think he said it too, that, you know, I mean, he did say it, that the offense was a problem this year. There's no doubt about that. But also, you know, it's, I, I just have a hard time saying it's one guy's problem. I mean, we've talked about this time and time again, I'm kind of ready to just like, stop talking about it, but there's just like one, there wasn't one specific thing that made this an issue. Like there was a multitude of things that, you know, were the problem with this offensive group. And you know, you talk about the offensive line. I mean, I guess play call, I think personnel in general, I mean, it almost seemed like to me, Kirk was kind of talking today that like they didn't have the personnel yeah. to do it. And I think that's why they go to the portal this off season as hard as they did to land guys and they're still not done in the portal. They're still looking for a wide receiver potentially. Um, you know, linebacker, cornerback, but those are defensive side of the balls. But yeah, I mean, I get the frustration. I understand it. Like it makes a lot of sense. But I think, you know, the way that things are going now, I think there's gonna be more answers next year. But it's one of those years where I think like next year is like, if it does, if nothing doesn't happen, if nothing happens this off season, then it's like getting to put up or shut up time. And this is one of those years where, you know, things like if, if the offense is as bad as it was this year, like then things could get really, really ugly. But I mean, I think with the way that, the staff is more so addressing those needs this offseason gives me room for encouragement because last year it was like, okay, we feel good about, you know, what we got. And there wasn't really any, like, you know, hard pursuit. Like, obviously, Steven Stilianos was the guy that they went after. A couple quarterbacks they went after. From what my knowledge, those are the main pieces they went after. Yeah. But this year it seems like more of a – more of an emphasis on it. And I think they – you know, they have the football minds. They have the guys. They have the guys on the staff. The guys with experience that can do it. I think it's just a matter of getting that personnel together. I think that's going to be the main piece for this team. If there's the personnel, if there is the coaching, which even if Brian on staff, I mean, believe it or not, people are probably going to, you know, scold me for this. I think the personnel and the talent uptick is going to be there this year. And I yeah, think that's I'm been addressed that. more so in the portal. <clears throat> and I think that's going to ease a lot of people's minds. But I understand the frustration because, you know, the lack to address, you know, specific spots. But I think at the end of the day, it's a personnel problem. I don't know how much of a coaching – I mean, I think there is, like, a decline. But also, like, you look at the personnel, and I think that's been the main issue. That was the issue this year, I think. The execution and obviously coaching, you know, that's going to be a scapegoat. But, like, personnel, man, like, what you put on the field. And obviously play calls are going to be there. That's going to be an issue. Certain schemes, like, it was frustrating. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a personnel thing. I think that's the that's the big disconnect. And, and I understand that. And here here's why I would counter with 
one, I understand to some degree, you know, Kirk made some points today, which you can't entirely fault him for. Like Iowa's unluckiness regarding injuries at wide receiver and offensive line. You can't predict that. I mean, look at their 2020 offensive line recruiting class. This is really the year where you would have, you know, relied upon a lot of those guys to step up. Cody Ince losing him was obviously a huge hit. Ezra Miller is not in the program. Tyler Anders hasn't, you know, stepped up quite yet. They, they are forced to play guys they weren't ready to play. And if you don't have protection up front and an immobile quarterback and you have guys that are hurt at the receiver positions, you can't move the ball. With that being said, Brian Ferentz's play calling has been proven time and time again. Sean, he's not a good play caller to this point. He, he's just not. The product isn't there. But I would also counter it with you have to create your own luck to a certain extent. The personnel isn't there. But who is ultimately in charge of putting together that personnel? And it's Brian and it's Kirk. It's Kirk as well. Like, look, I get Brian is a scapegoat to some extent. And I want to be clear. I think it's ridiculous that people say that Brian got the job and he was unqualified. That's not true. Like, Brian is a very, very smart football mind. I think you and I have talked about that multiple times on this podcast. Like, he knows what he's talking about. He can take an hour to dissect an entire play, every single position, what's supposed to happen, what the defense is going to do, et cetera. But there has to be a certain amount of accountability in terms of, you know, how do you piece together the personnel? Okay, there's some things aren't working. Uh, how do we adjust? Like Iowa just didn't adjust their game plan despite having a lack of personnel. Like that's on the coaches. If you have the 130th ranked offense, you have an offense coordinator who's getting paid $900,000, you have to at least try to throw in some new wrinkles. Again, I think personnel is a problem. But I, I relate that back to the coaching staff, the recruiting staff. They have to be all the right. personnel in place. My thing is, like, how much can you wrinkle, though, in season? That's the big thing. Like, I don't know how much you can really wrinkle or change, like, in season. I understand that, too. Stuff. I understand that, That's too. why. I mean, I get – like, you can't just entirely change your whole scheme in the middle of the season. Like, maybe we should come to the conclusion that the offense was just not as talented as it – needed to be this year like up and down the lineup like I think that's a fair assessment I think so too but you can't here's why I would say that Sean 2021 Iowa won 10 games they were 117th in offense they are turned that personnel a good at least a decent portion losing Linderbaum was huge and even that offense looked worlds better than what the 100 this this past offseason was it, it's it was Brian's sixth year they were the worst offense, arguably, in in you know in Big Ten history, and they weren't able to make it happen. So, yes, but they also they also had Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, Charlie Jones at times. They had more capable weapons on the outside than they had this year, and they than they had last year, or this year, sorry, and they had a better offensive line last year. I get that. But it still but, wasn't overly great. Yeah. I I just think you can't have a year like that based on Iowa's success ratio and not have somebody take the fall for it. That that's that's my opinion and I think people have every right to be frustrated with it, but I also, you know, people aren't going to like hearing this. I understand to a certain degree Kirk's thinking about the personnel wasn't there. We had injury issues. There were certain things we couldn't do. But again, 
what other program in the country can you point to over the years that has had a similar just fall off like that in terms of they still made some offense work because why are why like Kirk said at the presser today, he said, you know, I'm only focused on the wins and losses. Once wing becomes important, he's kind of shrugged it and went like that. But why, why is Iowa holding the standard to at, to the defense and special teams higher than it is the offense? And I think that's where the big disconnect. And that's what frustrates people about it is because it feels like Kirk speaks more in broad generalizations when it comes to the offense. We nitpicks the defense and special teams as far as what they can do better, et cetera. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't I don't disagree. Like I think you may be certain like a little too much with it, but I mean I don't know. That's I I believe what I believe with, you know, this group and you know that I yeah. thought the personnel was was an issue this year. And yeah, I mean, you know, part of that faults the coaching, but at the end of the day it's kinda like, you know, they really were unlucky with some of the guys in this group and, you know, some of the guys that left. And the injuries played a big role. Offensive line, obviously, yeah. you know, having those guys wasn't – but they're addressing the needs this offseason. And I think that's going to lead to an uptick in some way. You know, what – how much do we see? I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, this season was unacceptable. There's no doubt about that. So, but, let's – sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's explore both scenarios, Okay. Let's say Brian returns and you said you need this. I don't want to say it's a, it is a put up or shut up year. I mean, it's the thing is to what people need to remember when the coaching staff is probably well aware of if I was going to take a realistic shot at winning a big 10 title, it's this upcoming season, Sean. I mean, no division, like there's divisions one more year. The big 10 West looks, it'll be better than it was this year, but Iowa, in my opinion, should be favored to win it. Wisconsin's going to be tough. I think they're going to have a nice bounce back here. I'm not buying stock in Nebraska quite yet. I think Matt Rule has a big turnaround he has to do there. Illinois, I'm curious what they can do. Purdue, we'll see under a first year. But with so much coaching turnover, and as many guys as Iowa's returning next year, Sean, I think Iowa's the favorite. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. If it's a put-up or shut-up year, if Brian stays on staff, where do they have to get to offensively for you to be like, he can come back after this next year? Obviously better than they were this year. Um, That's not hard. <laughs> yeah. I think the personnel is there to do it. I do. I really do. 
I think the offensive line, the guys that they got on the offensive line, I think getting those guys to on the interior a year older is going to be a help. I think the personnel that they have at the wide receiver positions is a year older, year better. I think they need to get another big body X receiver on the outside. I mean, maybe they get a guy that's just best available at this point. But it needs to be – I don't know if it needs to be a certain marker, but it needs to be to the point where, okay, we can trust this offense to not, you know, get touchdowns every drive – but we need to be able to trust this offense to get us at least like two or three first downs. This is crazy. I, I know it's crazy. I mean, with this D de- I think the defense is going to take a little tiny step back. It can really bolster up if it, you know, gets another linebacker in the portal, which I mean, Iowa is right I there for Nick Jackson from Virginia. Um, but I think the defense is there to, you know, not be as dominant, but still be pretty dang good. But this offense needs to take, you know, two steps forward, not just one, two steps forward. And I think, you know, if you're getting two to three first downs and being able to, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I was going to rely on their tight ends. And I think in Cape McMurray, you have a quarterback that is going to be able to get guys the ball in spots that they need. And also not be a statue in the backfield. I think that's going to be something that's really important to him. I mean, Cade's not the most mobile guy, but he's a guy that can, you know, you know, make make guys miss, I guess, in a way, or like make you know extend plays and you know be able to move side to side rather than Petrus, who was kind of like once you get a guy on pressure, it's like play over. Yeah. So I think this offensive line will be better, and that's going to suit McNamara really well. And I also think just having a guy that's able to move side to side in the pocket is going to be going to be a big difference compared to what Iowa had last year because last year was it was just not a good recipe for success. And there, I think there was no recipe that, for success. And I agree with you when you talk about the personnel. No. There were there was no person there was no recipe for success last year. Yeah, and to have an I mean it goes both ways, but to have a good running game, you have to have a passing game that I think keeps you honest. I mean. I know, and I mean, if you don't want to have that much of a passing game, then you got to have a run game and an offensive line. And, you know, I think Iowa's offensive line can improve this year. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it's it's got to be one of those things where you got to have a little bit of an honest passing attack. And yeah. I think Iowa can have that this year. I think getting Eric All is a lot bigger than people realize. Um, I agree. Pairing him and Addison and Stranger together, is, or him and Luke Lachey together, is going to be really big. And, you know, maybe getting another receiver would be a big plus. I mean, Kirk Ferentz kind of mentioned it today. Like, seem to think that they just love to have Brody Brecht play football full time. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's not realistic. So, I mean, you're kind of stuck there. But, I mean, I think they have good personnel with Nico, um, Deontay Vines, and Seth Anderson, who they brought over from Charleston Southern. And then, you know, it's guy like Jacob Bostic or Brody Brecht and then potentially another transfer. I mean, Isaac Tislaw would have been incredible for this offense. He would have been yeah, perfect. But, you know, you got to go after a guy like Tyler Barnes mentioned today, a guy that's kind of the best fit. And, you know, I think it's important that maybe they get an extra receiver. I think that's going to be the focus. But I think personnel, too, like just a guy that's the best fit or just like the best available. 
I think that could go a long way as well with this wide receiver room. And Iowa was very excited about Seth Anderson. I mean, Tyler and Kirk spoke glowingly of him, and I do think that he'll take a step forward, help kind of bolster that perimeter game that Iowa wants to have. And remember, Seth Anderson was a guy who was up for the Jerry Rice Award, which is like the FCS's top uh, wide receiver. So that's something that is notable as well. But, you know, to go back to my original question too, Sean, the reality for me, Iowa needs to have a top 65 to 70 offense next year. In or like you, it needs to take that dramatic of an increase for me because this isn't like it's a first year coordinator. You know, he deserves a year or two to kind of get his feet under, you know, get his feet under him, get a foundation set. Brian's been around this program. I mean, this is it's his personnel. I still think it's a little bit more Kirk scheme than Brian. That's my opinion. That's nothing substantiated. But he's got to improve as a play caller. That's something he can control. I mean, there have been situations where you just sit back and you're like, why? And something that they can control. I know they didn't have the personnel last year, Sean, but how many times do they run uh, third and eight? Okay, well, Iowa gave up on the drive. They're just afraid of turning the ball over, so they're just going to make sure they can get in position to have a great punt. That's what drives people nuts more than anything else. It's like they don't try to keep the drives alive. Third and five, they throw a three-yard out route. They run out of bounds. They throw short of the sticks. That's what drives people insane more than anything else. I think that needs a change this upcoming season. I think Cade's going to be a guy that takes more chances than Spencer did. I think he'll have a little bit more time due to his pocket mobility. Not like you said, not sideline to sideline speed, but he can maneuver a pocket, and that's what you need in the Iowa offense. And I think he'll be able to deliver a couple of deep passes if, if the protection's there. Getting Dijon Parker and getting – you know, Rusty Feth were two big additions to this team. And we'll, and people expect Logan Jones to take a big step forward this year as well. So I do think there are pieces in place. I think if Brian returns, all the pressure has to be on that offense. Because in my opinion, and this is just, maybe it's my expectations being way overblown. If Iowa does not return to Indy next year, it's a failure of the season. I said it before last season. I'll say it for this season. Given the layout of the Big Ten West, given all the turnover, given that it's the last year in divisions, Iowa fans should be expecting to win nine to ten games next year and to go back to Indy. If they don't, then ultimately, Sean, th- there has to be some coaching pieces that go because right now what Iowa has done the past two years in terms of wins versus offense production, I don't know if it will ever repeat itself in the history of college football. It's not sustainable, and I think that's what – frightens people the most it's yes wins matter but you also have to take into account how sustainable is iowa's win ratio right now sean you know as well as i do it's not sustainable as great as phil parker and the special teams and defense are yeah no 100 percent. what uh i feel like we should move on to something else now i feel like this is <laughs> it's been beating a dead horse at this point i don't know man if the uh horse somehow keeps staying alive, but uh, it'll be a topic of conversation until I think we know what happens. I think we'll find out in the next two or three weeks. So I would tell people stay patient about it, but Iowa, I think let, let's dive into the transfer portal just a little bit. I know we've touched on it slightly and we'll talk basketball on another podcast, but I think what would you give Iowa for a grade as far as what they've done, the transfer portal? I think they've addressed some needs. I think they've done some good things. I know people are, frustrated to some extent that there are other teams in the conference that really went all in on the portal and Iowa was left in the dust. 
in, in my opinion, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. I think Iowa did a fine job in the portal. I think if they would land a couple of their top targets, it'd be a lot better. But I'm curious what your perception on it on it is, Sean. Do you think they did as good of a job as I did? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they address big needs. Now, obviously, getting Isaac to Slaw, that would probably put Iowa in the A range in terms of, you know, guys that they really wanted and guys that would have made, you know, a perfect fit. But it's one of those things where you're not going to land those top guys all the time. And then Ernest Hausman as well from Nebraska, he would have been a really good fit. But I think Nick Jackson is up there in terms of a guy that, you know, could be a really solid piece as well. So, yeah, I mean, the misses were definitely notable. Um, you know, I think Iowa got exactly what it needs in Rusty Feth on the interior. I think Dijon Parker, I think there's still, you know, things he's got to work out with. But, you know, I think he's a good piece at the offensive tackle spot. I think Nick DeYoung, I think him and Nick DeYoung could battle it out that, at that right tackle spot. Um, you know, wide receiver Seth Anderson, I think there's a lot to work with there. I mean, He's a smaller guy, but he can play inside, outside, and climb the ladder a little bit. You know, one of the things that Iowa really likes him is yards after catch. And Eric Hall, too, just as a run blocker. I mean, there's a lot to like there. I mean, Iowa's kind of struggled since TJ Hawkinson without having just like a guy who just seems to be a true blocking tight end. Now, Eric Hall is going to be a receiver, too. But I think having yeah. him in line can really help you put Luke Lachey on the outside or kind of like the, what they did with Sam Laporta and, you know, maybe run some of that stuff with, you know, like they did with Laporta putting, you know, Lachey on the outside and giving him room to work. And, um, you know, McNamara, obviously we mentioned him at length. I think he was a, he was definitely a need, definitely a big need. Joey Lavis, you know, did a really good job, but I think he's best suited as a backup quarterback right now. I mean, depending on how long Cade stays with the program, I mean, best case scenario, he has a killer year next year and, you know, goes to the NFL, but I don't think that's going to be – that's a super realistic option at this point. I think the plan in place might be to stay for two years, um, and then that yeah. gives Lavis another year or so to, you know, figure out what he wants to do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would give the grade – I mean, offensively, I think it's around a B-plus, B range. I mean, you got to get – I think you got to get another outside receiver – I was kind of more in the B range, but maybe I'm going B plus, A minus, kind of, you know, addressing those needs. But I think the defensive side of the ball is going to be really important because you need a linebacker. You know, you need another cornerback potentially, maybe more for depth depth purposes and, you know, for the potential to move Cooper DeGene back to the cash. But, you know, I would say right now, I'd probably my grade would be a B plus. I think that's a that's a fair grade, you know. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm in that B to B plus range. I think Iowa did a great job. I mean, they landed the first big splash in the entire portal, which was Cade McNamara. I mean, that really set Twitter spear on fire because they know a lot of people on the outside didn't think Iowa was gonna be able to land a big quarterback, and they landed the big the first big quarterback that officially was in the portal. And he saw opportunity getting Eric all alongside Luke Lachey. I think that could be the best tight end duo in the country because Eric all is a legitimate NFL prospect. Well, Luke Lachey is probably going to be a legit NFL prospect as well. And here, here's where I'm at as far as B plus, like I can't give them an a just because they ain't land another outside receiver. But at the same time, you and I have talked about a little bit, Sean, how does Iowa sell the receiver position right now? It's not exactly an easy job. I mean, if Kelton Copeland late season says, yeah, it's difficult to recruit receivers to Iowa, 
in my opinion, that should be like, okay, well, maybe we need, you know, change a couple of things to make it more appealing. But there's nothing that can be said. The only thing that can be shown is the production on the field. And so Iowa has to work with what it works with right now, and they have to be able to hit the portal, whether it be in the second window, whether it be next year to get from a pure number standpoint, Sean, like they just need numbers from receiver just to have some depth, some guys they could work with. Because right now I still think they're a little bit short. But again, getting Seth Anderson is big. If they get Nick Jackson, that that might push him to the A minus range, in my opinion, because that's a proven linebacker. I think he can step in, do some really, really good things as well. But getting McNamara, getting Eric All, getting Dijon Parker, who I think is going to be a legitimate NFL prospect, well, six foot six, 305 pounds. I think it'll be a big transition in terms of pure talent level that he's going up against every day. But there have been several in the NFL circles that he's been on some radars, right? I mean, it's uh, he, he's been there. So I'm very intrigued about what Iowa is going to be able to do. I think Kirk and them did a fine job, especially to go from like being very, very nitpicky to really diving headfirst into the portal. I think, again, you have to be able to separate the frustration with Brian Ferentz and the way they're handling the coaching staff from the portal. When Kirk succeeds and when the Iowa program people, you know, d- does the right things, you have to give them credit, but you can still be critical. But people have to be able to separate it. In terms of the pure portal aspect, I, I think Iowa's done a nice job. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think there's uh... – a. There's a lot to like there. They uh, and the staff's not over too. I mean, you Tyler mentioned earlier. Tyler Barnes mentioned earlier today too. Uh, you know, some guys kind of just fall into your laps, like Rusty Feth. Like that was just a perfect fit. Like, not really was anyone expecting him to enter the portal. Maybe there were some people to enter the portal, but there could be guys like that out there, positions of need, and you know, they're gonna go for the best available. I mean, yes, wide receiver linebacker, cornerback, those might be the three biggest needs. But, hey, if they have a guy that they then can come in and, you know, make an impact and they have a chance with, like, they're going to go after him. So it's never over with this type of stuff. Like, I think it's a good way of putting it, too, is, you know, you build your program around the high school class, but you bolster your roster and your depth chart with the portal. And, you know, that's one of the things that really had – a debate with, you know, earlier today as I was thinking about putting together a piece about the most important position halls in the 2024 class, and I could still do that. But I was kind of like, well, if you don't address a certain need in a high school class, then maybe you could do it in a portal. So it's kind of hard to, you know, have that, have that kind of, you know, I guess basis for everything and, you know, how they kind of how do they kind of go about this stuff and, you know, how it how it can kind of really impact the program if you don't hit on certain needs? I mean, obviously there are targets that are more glaring than the others. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's it's the new age of college football. Welcome to it. It's, it's really crazy how all this stuff has kind of changed in the past year or so. It's going to be nuts, dude. I mean, again, I, I, I'm very intrigued. I think the storylines for this spring will be very fun to watch. And ultimately, we're going to see what happens with Brian and, and with, you know, the rest of the coaching staff, quite frankly. Because I, I've said something that I think it's not exactly hard to piece together, Sean. I think John Budmeyer is going to have some sort of role, more prominent role with this next year's team. Because 
Cade McNamara basically said on Big Ten Network that big reason he came to Iowa was because Budmeyer. Uh, Deacon Hill, the other quarterback that Iowa got out of the portal from Wisconsin, originally a four-star, I believe, by 24-7. He had connections with John Budmeyer, right? So that tells me that, that he's going to have a little bit more of a hands-on opportunity. I don't know where that happens yet, and that's something we're going to be able to find out. But And to kind of close out this pod, Sean, I just want to reiterate, nothing happened today or was said today that wasn't expected. Like if, if Kirk would have came out and said, like you said, it was a plan. Hey, we're making this change, this change, this change. It would have blown everybody out of the water. Like that was never going to happen. Obviously it didn't cool temperature of the fan base. That was never going to happen today. There's really a no win scenario for Kirk and Iowa right now. It's just more so how much, how little of gas can you throw on the fire and what can you change and what can you show on the field next football season? Yep. And we have a whole off season ahead of us to speculate on it. Isn't it great? It'll be so much fun. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about basketball here in the upcoming days. Iowa, Iowa hoops, big win the other night against Northwestern still don't know what to make of this team, but they're in the midst of, an NCAA tournament birth thing will be a very, very big next uh, next month or so. For David Eichel, Sean Bach, follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBach247, and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. Stay tuned and locked in to HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth and complete coverage of Iowa Hawkeyes football, basketball, and recruiting. Till next time, talk to you soon. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.